It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams And this is the 4.9 million viewers sports business podcast. The Sportacast. All right, not too bad now. No, Christy Hedgepeth is, is our guest, the president of PlayFi Sports Properties. I always like to grade Evan on, you know, the 4.9, like, it was it good? Is it good enough tease? Do you have any idea what he's speaking about? How did he do, Christy? I think he did well. It sounded like a lot of viewers. I mean, you know. More than I would have even thought. So impressed. <laughs> All right. So that works. But of course, we are talking about women's college basketball first and the championship game between UConn and South Carolina. Now, I know you are a Stanford alum, a former player for Tara Vanderveer there. So sorry that the Cardinal were not represented. But if you're looking for big names and interest and viewers, South Carolina, UConn, not a bad place to be. Your take? on the number that people watch. By the way, beat out Dancing with the Stars on ABC. So uh, I think Disney might have a, something to think about next year, right? If you can get a, a better number on ESPN, which of course is in fewer homes in the over-the-air network, uh, your, your take on the number of people watching and what we can glean from the tournament in particular. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot right there. And I know we have a lot of those pieces we can dig into. But first, I, I must acknowledge that I'm still crying in my beer a little bit over Stanford losing. Uh, Stanford, as you may know, won it last year. Uh, my coach, Tara Vanderveer, is still there after all these years. So it's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, but uh, I was proud of them for, for getting to the Final Four, of course. But, um, yes, I you know, the championship game was – um, it was extremely well viewed. In fact, you know, um, and you mentioned, uh, I think it was American Idol um, on ABC. Maybe it was Dancing with the Stars, but um, that that the game outdrew um, you know, that type of primetime cable uh, major network um, you know, exposure. And clearly, you know, this is a conversation that um, many of us who love women's basketball. Um, I spent time in the WNBA as the COO. I played professionally, and now I work at, at PlayFly. I also uh, played at Stanford, as you said. But this is a conversation we've been having for a long, long time. And what I really love is so many times people are always like, well, it's about the numbers. It's about the numbers. This is why we can't give women's basketball and women's sports more attention. And what I love about this is that head-to-head that the game, you know, even on a cable channel versus the network, um, that the game outdrew um, the network. So um, so we're, uh, after many, many years and there's still obviously a long way to go, but I was, I was really pleased to see that. And then of course, um, you know, there was the mega cast, uh, with Sue Bird and Diana Tarazi 
And so I have a lot of thoughts on, on kind of how women's basketball personalities have, I would say in the last three or four years, um, both on the college side spurred by, I think, um, the, the weight room debacle last year at the NCAA tournament. And I would like to thank also on the pro side with the work that we did to tr- transform and really completely rebrand the WNBA about four, about four years ago. So you're seeing um, the fruits of a lot of that labor. And, and I feel like everybody's catching up. We've always known we have great players, great personalities, super dynamic, and a great product on the court. Um, and what I love is now that all of the different stakeholders are starting to lean in um, and, and recognize that. I have forever said that I want uh, an NBA or college basketball coach to wear his or her team's jersey in the same way that like baseball managers do. And the Michigan women's basketball coach, I forget her name, uh, but she was doing it all tournament. And that made me, uh, that made me supremely happy. Christy, one of the big changes that we saw for the women's basketball tournament this year was the NCAA freeing up use of some IP, including March Madness, that, that they were not allowing before. You obviously know so much about the way that, that college rights work. I'm curious how big a deal you think that is. I was shocked personally, as someone who has watched a lot of women's basketball tournament games over the past 10 years, that they weren't allowed to use March Madness. It's not something that I ever noticed. How big a deal is something like that actually when it comes down to it, to helping the women's basketball tournament uh, in terms of its promotion and its and its broadcast? Yes. that So that, um, that brand of March Madness carries with it a, just a ton of prestige, a ton of weight, um, and a lot of respect. And I think having I would say, you know, it has to be willfully withholding that um, and reserving it for the men's. I mean, has shortchanged, I think, the women's game, the the final four, the the tournament all these years. So it's not going to, you know, make a huge difference overnight in this first year. Um, But I would like to have seen it integrated, uh, you know, from the start. But I'm glad we're doing it now. And I do really think that that credibility, that that brand, that excitement that, I mean, even after all the years of, I'm sure everyone listening to this, um, being huge sports fans and looking forward to March Madness, I always say it's my favorite time of year. Um, even now, um, you know, it it is something that is exciting and is fresh every single year. And I think um, the, the power of that brand um, and it's like, uh, you know, rub off onto the women's game and vice versa is critically important. So, really happy about it. Throughout the years and all your positions, you must have encountered a number of, what's the word I want to use, doubters, haters, whatever it may be. I mean, how many, you know, oh, nobody cares about women's sports. Nobody watches. Can you give us your, give us your best, you don't have to name names. I mean, it'd be great if you want to name names, but <laughs> give, give, give us your best doubter, you know, and how do you respond? I mean, especially now, if you want empirical evidence, if you want data, we've got it. So, it goes beyond equity at this point. It's good business. So do people wake up to that argument? But I'm still curious about the, the best haters that you've heard. Yeah, I mean, like it's a very, I think it's all ingrained in a very, you know, some, some deep-seated, you know, um, kind of notions we have about gender roles. And look, from the second I was born, I was bouncing a ball, you know, hitting, you know, tennis racket, like I was running. I mean, this is just, I was just born as super athletic and, and it was always like this, like kind of an anomaly, which I thought was strange. But so I've spent my entire life um, hearing those sentiments that you expressed. Um, lots of guys wanting to play me one-on-one when they found out I did this in high school or this in college or this professionally. So I've spent a lifetime 
uh, playing guys one on one and then horse and um and, and beating uh, them. I would think. Yes, yes. Coming <laughs> I out. Hope, on top I hope you sure. made some money on those games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um. So, so I think it started with with that, and then you certainly have your casual fan, and this is what's if if you really know the game, and in fact, if you really the game of basketball, and if you know men's sports or in the men's game of basketball, you would know that they are by far the most enlightened and most supportive of women's basketball players than your casual average kind of male fan, because they, we've been in it together with them. We've been on college campuses and high school. They know that the same work, the same competition, everything, you know, is exactly the same. It goes into it. Um, And so there's a deep respect there. I stopped listening to your old school, like sports talk radio many years ago. It's just pollution to the ears. And, um, and I think sometimes when people are so far on the end, there's really nothing you can do. What you're, what you're really hoping for and fighting for is, is a gradual, you know, hopefully more than gradual, but introduction and really earning, um, their awareness and their respect, uh, over time. Um, but yeah, there, it's just, the best way to silence a naysayer is to just beat them on the court. So that's what I try to do. Hey, Evan, I think we have a good amalgam now. Caverage is new. It's, it's a good mashup of caveman and average. That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> I, that might I, have been subconsciously. Yeah, subconsciously. It's a, just start calling people the caverage. Yeah, those cavemen and average who just say, yep, can't do it. Doesn't work. Nobody watches. Christy, there, is, there are so many changes going on in, in college sports right now, one of which being new marketing rights for athletes. Before last July, a lot of people were saying that this was only going to benefit athletes in men's basketball and football. It seems pretty clear that that is not the case. Let's merge these conversations real quick. What do you think about kind of NIL rights and the opportunity it presents particularly to female athletes and and, and maybe more specifically women's basketball players? Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have multiple sessions of your podcast on NIL alone. I'm certainly in my new role focusing on college and high school uh, sports, um, you know, it's, it's, it is the topic. Um, I would say is a little bit more of a purist having played in the nineties. I was initially skeptical, um, a little reluctant. I got, I was concerned that, you know, it would be a distraction. I mean, you're talking about student athletes who are trying to play at an elite level and, you know, go to class and study and, you know, maybe have a social life. And so you're going to add this. And I know coming from the NBA and the WNBA, the pro side, that um, managing these deals, negotiating them, um, fulfilling them, like it takes a lot of time. So I was I was concerned, one, that it would be a distraction and two, that it might create some maybe some forms of jealousy um, within a team. But um, I've really worked hard to, to, to really get up to speed in my role at Playfly and talk to everyone. And, and, and clearly I think, you know, it, it, um, there, there are really a lot of positives to it. We are very much leaning in as a multimedia rights, um, holder, um, for almost 25 colleges, um, D1 colleges across the country. Um, and what I do love is I, I actually think that it has to your, your question, um, ended up benefiting and featuring, um, female athletes much more so than anyone anticipated, um, after football, which is by far the number one, the number two sport for NIL deals is women's basketball over men's basketball and others. Um, and volleyball is up there as well. Um, and I think it's because um, because the most important thing 
typically with an NIL deal is some type of social promotion. It's a little bit easier to do a post for the athletes versus an appearance or something like that. And, um, and they're looking for people who are engaging, people who are comfortable on social media, people who have large followings. And so it starts to really um, give women more of a, a, a level playing field. And I think that, you know, to, to their credit, it's been great to see them, you know, accept that opportunity and, um, and drive a lot of, a lot of these deals. And they're not mega deals, but, um, but one of the things I feel most strongly about that I love, and we can talk more about what Playfly has done, but, um, is that this gives NIL deals, they help, they help, um, they, they can really help develop the, the athlete and their level of responsibility, their understanding of the business world. Um, and they're there to be educated and to grow and to become adults. And so actually there's so many benefits to it. And, and that's one that I think is, is often not discussed as much um, because it's not as sexy or sensational, but let's remember why, why they're there and that such a small, small minority are ever going to play professionally. UConn star Paige Buchers just hit 1 million followers on Instagram, <laughs> I think this week. And that is a, a number that just shocks me so much. We're talking about 5 million people who watch the women's championship. Every time Paige Buchers hits send on an Instagram post, uh, it's being distributed to, to 20% of that audience, uh, no matter what it is. I think it is amazing how, how big some of the platforms are for some of these athletes while they're still in college. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, if anyone watched the, uh, their double overtime win in the elite eight, like she, she deserves it. I mean, she is just a clutch, clutch player. She's a great, I think, um, spokesperson and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's real money. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So uh, hats off to her and, and hope more and more is to come for, for others. We're chatting with Christy Hedgepeth, president of PlayFi Sports Properties. And I mean, there's a reason, I mean, I'm an old man here, Christy, but when I was in school, like the credit card companies had the little 10 set up, right? They were trying to get you hooked in there. And yeah, you need to learn about everything. I mean, if this helps you learn financial literacy and, you know, that there are taxation issues and if right. it can broaden your horizon, absolutely. I mean, it's, let's, we are in April, right? A lot of this NIL money's coming in. You got, you got to file those, those tax forms, make sure these players know the W-2's got to come in. Maybe it's through many states. It's just one little piece of the education and probably the school can help. I mean, so maybe there's a part, real, maybe there's real partnerships to be broached. I know this is new and people still feeling it out. So I'm curious, can you take me inside uh, not only the athletic director's offices and the meetings that you have, but if, uh, if the president or the chancellor's office too, I'm curious, how involved is administration with athletics these days? Normally, if the, uh, if the school president comes in, I mean, it's usually if they win a championship, great, that's the one really good visit. But if the president shows up in the AD's office, 99 times out of 100, something ain't right. Like, you know, that, that's not a good thing for an athletic director. I'm just curious what you see, how involved yeah. is administration these days? How involved are they? I think by definition of the amount of media attention um, around um, their programs and um, the amount of revenue uh, associated with athletics, I think presidents more and more um, have to be really engaged and involved. And, um, and I think they, they recognize that it's also a massive recruiting tool. Um, the more that you, like I have uh, a niece who is not, does not play sports, um, she's a, but she's a sophomore at Ole Miss and she just had to go to an SEC school because of the football. And, and where, does, where does she live? 
She lives in a sorority house. No, no, I mean, where did she live? Where, where was she when she went to high school? Where was her home? Like, was oh, she in SEC Charlotte, country or North Carolina? All right, so that's not that far. You know, I could see growing up in Charlotte and dreaming of of, of SEC yeah. country. <laughs> it's a little different than you know growing up in in LA or Midwest and saying, oh, you know, yes. I got I got to go to Ole Miss. Definitely, yeah. And look, I mean, it's like sports are a huge part of the branding for every university, and and I think um, just to sort of build a little bit on your question. You know, um, athletic directors uh, and coaches, without question, it's the number one thing they ask me. What do you think about NIL? What should we be doing? What should our strategy be? Um, How are we doing compared to others? Every single coach tells their athletic director that they're behind. And it creates, you know, um, I think a lot of, um, you know, nervousness and um, motivation to, to, to to get educated. And that's one of the number one things I tell Athletic directors, we work with Casey Schwab at Altius. I don't know if you've um, ever spoken with him, but he is he and his team are by far, I think, the, the best educators and strategists helping um, college programs today. But but you have, um, you know, a real uh, need, I think, and a pressure from the coaches to say, you can't be directly involved in facilitating these deals. But what can we do within the rules to be able to um, to um, you know, broker more deals for our, not broker more deals, but um, create opportunities to match you know brands and and, and corporates with our with our our athletes. So, so let me ask you this, Christy. Yeah. Let's say you're going to three marquee programs. They all have winning traditions, wonderful facilities, you know, beautiful arenas, all that. They're all the same. One has understood. The coach understands that we need to do everything possible to help athletes in this regard. This is what they care about. Put dollars in their pockets. The other two are still like, oh, I don't believe in it. They should be athletes. Uh, or I, I, I don't know. We'll, still fig- we'll figure it out down the line. How much, is, and how much of it is an advantage for that particular school that says, we're going to be out front. We're going to lead the way. We understand that our athletes care about this. It matters to them. And we better help them out. Well, there is always perception and there's reality. I think that the perception probably is vastly outstripping the reality of it being a competitive advantage for most schools, for most sports. Um, but, but perception is what matters. And as I said, there, you know, athletic directors are getting so much pressure. Um, and you know, this is so new, we're not even a year into it. And you go from like this environment where, uh, you know, you, you, I couldn't really even, have a summer job or my coach couldn't give me a ride outside of a certain, you know, radius or whatever. And now, you know, it's, it feels like a free for all, even though there are, um, you know, school policies and there are state um, legislation and uh, um, documents that, that do help govern, but it's, it's been um, a lot for people to take in. And so I think there's so much opportunity. I personally, something you mentioned, I really think that, um, it is going to be important to allow um, to create some guidelines that allow the universities to help athletes a little bit more than they do. It's a, just a lot, you know, it's a lot for them to manage. And what you don't want is you don't want them to be taken advantage of. And I think, um, you know, I mean, they're still students. They're still young people. They have never you know, had like a full time job, most of them. And um, so I, I think it's just really important that um, it, it, it moves away from a little bit of a like you're on your own and a free for all to 
a little bit more support that doesn't necessarily give a school some like advantage. And, and it's happening in the middle of so much other kind of massive business sea change in college sports. I was talking to a, an AD the other day who said that in, in a normal world, he would be thinking about NIL all the time. But between this and conference realignment and trying to figure out what Congress will or will not do in some of these areas and lawsuits against the NCAA, there's, he's, he just has whiplash trying to figure out which of these kind of major changes to his business that he should be focusing on at one time. One of those, Christy, the, the kind of shifting conference alignments has a lot of people talking about this gap between the, the top, top tier programs and everybody else. Playfly works with some of the biggest ones, LSU, Auburn, Maryland. You guys also work with, with some smaller schools that don't have D1 football, but, but, but are good on the basketball side. What do you think is kind of the future for those schools kind of in the, that, that second tier right now, as we see the SEC and Big Ten become the two kind of biggest behemoth conferences in the country and everybody's kind of jockeying for position behind them? I'm curious what you think is in the tea leaves moving forward, let's say five years uh, for, for the schools that aren't LSU or are not Auburn. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if I knew the answer to that, I, I, I would be, um, I definitely would be a millionaire at this point because I, it's, it's more, it is more complicated and there is than it has ever been. It is more, I mean, as you mentioned, there are multiple, um, there are multiple topics that have created a massive sea change. I do worry about, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that the larger schools, by the way, we also have USC and Michigan state, you know, great um, sports programs all around, but certainly they're fine. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Christy. Good that, job. Man. Get them I'm in there. Saying, Good job. Um, <laughs> gotta, you know, we gotta represent. Um, but, but I think that I, I do worry. I mean, I think those larger schools will always be okay. Um, I worry about um, the mid-tier schools, the smaller schools. I worry about women's sports and I worry about Olympic sports. Um, so, you know, as we talk more about is is pay for play going to be a real thing? Are athletes going to become employees? Um, does that negate Title IX? Um, what does that do to, to, to women's sports just at a time where we're getting a foothold? Um so I, I worry. I think that it's very hard to predict. And I know you were just asking for my take, of course. Um, but but I, I do think that um, and, and sometimes I worry that, you know, th th there's a lot that is that 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 we as fans love and that we want to preserve. And I worry that sometimes, you know, some of the priorities are getting a little bit overweighted. Obviously, revenue is incredibly important. You know, the rights of the athletes are important. Um, but, but, but I really do, I do worry about the future of, of kind of that, that mid tier. I think you could see a scaling down of programs. Um, and that's, that's, that, that's really a shame because we don't want to see participation contract. We don't, because I think the other thing just quickly is that the benefits to a student athlete for that experience, I mean, are immeasurable. So I just would hate to see it become this really just focus on like the larger schools and impacting a much smaller Base of what, what about the possibility of a privatized, for-profit, elite level, and then sort of an NCA-governed underbelly, everybody else? Yeah, I, I think so. I I, uh, I think that there's something about, I was talking with someone yesterday, there's something about the NCAA tournament that is really alluring. Um, I mean, we, we all love college football um, and the playoff system, but 
it's alluring because you could have a St. Peter's potentially play for a national championship, the first 15 seed to make it to the elite eight, the, 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 the lowest seeded, you know, team in North Carolina to make it to a championship game on the men's side. Even UNC was like the 30th ranked team in the country heading into the right. tournament, right? The 30th ranked football team last year was like Purdue. And that team is not beating uh, Alabama, is not is not going to beat Ohio State, et cetera. Yeah. So I don't love that. I mean, do I think it could happen? Sure. Um, and um, but 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 I think it, it it drastically will change and it could change the value of the media rights, which is what controls a lot of this. Um, and that is then tied into corporate sponsors and advertisers. And, um, and I just think um, uh, messing too much with the formula um, is dangerous. And so, so I'm, 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 I hope that, that, that rapid changes don't happen. And I do hope that, um, that, that, that what we have can be, in terms of the, the, the positive sides, can be preserved. Another thing that I hear a lot from people who work in, in college sports is this idea that a lot of athletic directors, a lot of commissioners are leaving their jobs in, in the past 18 months uh, some people have expressed concern to me that that a lot of people who know this business really well, uh, there's a brain drain of some sorts is, is a word that gets used. W- when I hear that personally, and I'm not disparaging any single person, I think it's great personally that there's potentially like a new kind of wave sea change of leadership happening in college sports. I think this particular business needs it in, in a lot of ways. Um, but some people that know this world way better than me seem to be concerned about this idea that, that a lot of the people who are prominent uh, executives, administrators, athletic directors, commissioners in college sports seems to be, seem to be leaving at a time where there is so much change happening and so much instability. What are your thoughts on that? Do, do you see that? And, and, and do you think that is a good or a concerning thing? I think it's, I think it needs to be discussed. And I think, I think that's, it makes all the sense to, to bring it up because, um, you know, I don't blame them. It is their jobs. I, and I tell every single one of them, I said, I know that you have a really difficult job. I mean, with everything that they're juggling and all of the stakeholders and the pressures, like I originally, when I went to business school, I literally put on my application that I wanted to be a D1 athletic director. I, I don't think that I would want to do that now. <laughs> I, I think it's like, it's just, it's, it's in some ways thankless, but it's so difficult um, so I do think some people um, may be throwing their hands up a little bit or it's like, hey, maybe this is a time to retire. Um, at the same time, to your point, I actually think getting some new blood in is good. I think um, it's very different than like a, a, a company or, you know, um, because you, you, you really, I think the, the segmentation and the, and the um, I think just dealing with the university and those pressures, I think are very difficult, but I think a different skill set maybe um, might be helpful to kind of bring in where they have different perspectives of running different businesses and um, dealing with complex um, organizational structures, working across um, silos, which I think I, I, I see and I've heard a lot really does happen at the college level. So, yeah, I think change is good. I think that, the, you know, I think, you know, we, we may lose, I think, some great institutional knowledge, but, but I think bringing in some new blood is, is positive. All right, Christy Hedgepeth, president of PlayFi Sports Properties. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds. Let me let you finish up with this. We, that was sort of like a little bit of a downer there, like we're forcing everybody out of the <laughs> industry. At the, at, at the same time, and, and like you said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Create change, whatever. It's like old school GMs and presidents. You know, It was like management folks or former players. Now you're talking quants and, and 
statistical math and analysis and engineering. I mean, that's great. All sorts of different backgrounds. So the question for you then, with the advent of technology, and who knows where we're going, where you know we've got blockchain. What about the opportunity that exists now for universities and athletes alike? I, I love that question because you know we, uh, if you think about what technology enables, it enables you. We used to say at the NBA that only about one percent of our fans will ever be able to go to a game because they are so geographically distributed, or maybe they can't afford it. And so that's why digital and that's why technology is so important. The same exact thing applies for colleges. And, uh, you know, we have at Playfly a, a real focus on, on tech and digital and, and looking into things like um, uh, offering subscription programs, which is like elevated content that anyone in the world can access. And so you want to bring in those younger younger viewers, younger fans, which typically can disconnect when they leave from colleges. So I love the ability of social and digital um, and technology to to attract and draw in really efficiently um, younger, that, that younger fan, whether they were an alum or not. So um, in short, uh, I, I, I'm very bullish on it and it's something that we're investing a lot in. All right, Christy, I grew up, uh, I say I didn't go to law school, but I, I did go to the University of David Stern. And I'm curious, having, having, and I, I mean, I worked with David a lot. So, oh, yes. uh, well, you know, David was my rabbi in this business. You know, you ha- he made you better, as, as you well know. Like, if you were going to get in the, stuck in the elevator with David, you better have your facts straight. You better be ready to go. You want some mental gymnastics? He was going to make you bend and twist, right? So, a question I ask you then, and I wonder if Evan knows where I'm going, because you mentioned the digital and David. And um, have you ever heard of the, uh, the Tim Pu Bhutan David Stern story? No, I would like to hear it. Evan, go ahead. Oh no! This is your story, Scott. I All just, right, well, I've one heard of, it just a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, one of David's favorites. You know, he was on a trip to, as he called it, the one stoplight town in Timpu, Bhutan, and they stopped at an internet cafe. And he looks over and over the shoulder of, of a you know whatever ten, twelve year old boy, whatever, and he's on the Kobe Bryant page. And he said, you know, it crystallized. That's the moment for him. He said, "Oh my God!" Even here, even him now, that's the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So that's yes. That sort of defines where we are and what David saw years ago. No, without question. And you're, you're right. You had to have your notes with you all the time because he could ask you. And if you if you if you got like you said, if you got stuck in an elevator, you might want to maybe t- try to turn around and act like you forgot something rather than be stuck with him in an elevator. I mean, he was so invested in the business and obviously an incredible leader in helping to get the NBA where it is today. And it's obviously a big loss, um, but it, but a, but a great guy. And uh, and it really is about engaging, you know, think about not just nationally, but internationally, what some of our larger college brands can do. It's exciting. All right, Christy Hedgepeth, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, Evan. So I ended on at least on an upswing, right? <laughs> you, you were bringing it down. Everybody's the brain drain question too, uh, yeah, too sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah doctors, are, your blood pressure is too high. Get out of the business now. So we were, you know, we brought it back up a little bit, but fascinating discussion on where it was, where it is, and where it's going. Yeah, and, and the beginning in there about kind of the rise of women's basketball, it's certainly a, a topic that that we have talked about on this show before, and I've mentioned it before, I will mention it again, the ESPN-NCAA deal, that the massive championship media rights deal that includes the women's basketball tournament, that is expiring in a couple of years. It is a $35 million a year deal right now, and again, Scott, that's 20 championships, $35 million a year. I've talked to people that think the women's basketball tournament alone could fetch $100 million a year. So we're going to see, I think, very quickly, depending on what the NCAA does with that 
specifically that media rights, we're going to see how big the kind of commercial interest on the media side is in the women's basketball tournament. All right. He is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I'm Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.